Well, I want to thank you all for being here today and uh, can't help but notice some new faces. That's been a kind of a common thing here uh, this year. I want to say welcome to you. And if you don't know me, my name's Tony. I'm the discipleship minister uh, here at the church. And so for those that are maybe you're here for the first time, maybe you've been coming for a little bit. Um, I, I pray, and our hope is, is that when you came in, that you felt like you're part of the family. Because that's what we are. We're, I would say we're one big happy family, but we're one big happy family. We're one big sad family. We're one big angry family. We're one big struggling family, but we are family. We're all imperfect. Uh, so I hope that when you came in, that you felt like this place is your home. And, and if that's you, I wanted to tell you about something that's really important that's going to happen next week. We're going to have just a simple meet and greet. And that's going to be in the fellowship hall, just outside these, these doors in this hallway by the kitchen. We're going to have uh, just a simple lunch. And uh, the purpose of that is just so that you can be introduced to the staff of the church, the ministers. They can explain to you what their roles are, what they do here. And also, most importantly, we can kind of tell you how you might be able to take your next step. Uh, on this journey that we're all a part of as we try to grow closer to Christ. And so put that on your calendars. It's 1230 right after our second service. Again, we'll have lunch. Bring the kids. Uh, it, it's informal, and we're not going to keep you too long, uh, but uh, we're going to try to answer your questions and give you a, a pretty good introduction to who we are here at Journey Church. And so we look forward to seeing you then. I wanted to start today by, by sharing a story about a good friend of mine. And I know she's a good friend of a lot of all of you. Her name's Pam McFarlane. And Pam, I don't know if you know her story, but uh, not too long ago, she went to the doctor, kind of a routine exam. They did some blood work. She left with her husband, Neil. They went to have breakfast. And then they got a call from the doctor, and they said, you need to come back. So on that morning, Pam was diagnosed with leukemia. Wasn't expecting that turned their life upside down. She went right back to the doctor, was admitted to the hospital immediately, and began this process of, of going through chemotherapy, other therapies that were trying to get this cancer in, the, in check. And so the goal was is for her to, to get their markers down where she would be able to have a bone marrow transplant. And so there's a big praise this week because this week Pam is going to have a bone marrow transplant. We had a big party a couple of weeks ago. She, she has to watch her exposure because getting sick would push this all back. And so we went outside, had some ice cream at Dairy Queen with her, and she's in, in good spirits. But she's going to have this bone marrow transplant. And so I didn't know much about this, but if you have a bone marrow transplant, more than likely the donor is going to be from Europe. I, I don't know why, but that seems to be the case. And so in Pam's case... The, the really cool part about this that, that I just wanted to share with today is there's an unknown person, because she can't know who it is, they won't tell her, but it's someone in Europe who is willing to give a piece of, of their lives for Pam. And so willing to share a piece, a literal piece of their lives with Pam. And so, you know, when I, if I use you as a sermon illustration, I, most of the time I'm going to ask you, now, if it's just too good and I think you might say no, you know, maybe not. <laughs> My wife, I always ask her. I mean, I'm not stupid. So, but, but anyway, I'm going to ask you most of the time. So I, I texted Pam and I said, Pam, I'd like to use your story 
uh, in, a, in a talk that I'm going to give this week. And I said, I, won't, I don't have to use your name. I just kind of want to use your story. And I got a response from Pam, and it, it was kind of a two-part response. The first thing she said was, I don't care if you use my name. She said, I really don't care because she said, for whatever reason, a lot of people are listening to me. And when I'm healed, it's going to be an awesome testimony. And so I was just, first of all, just like, wow. I mean, think about what she's gone through. And, and, you know, and her attitude. She didn't say if. She said, when I'm healed, I'm going to have a good testimony. So what Pam was saying is, is God's going to heal me, and I'm going to be able to share Jesus. And that, that wasn't the only part of her answer. The, the second part of her answer was this. She said, and let me gather my thoughts here, but, but she had said that, um, that, um, that, that she was going to be able to share not just Jesus, but share her life. She was going to have a good testimony Uh, but she was also going to be able to share Jesus because she said, as long as I have this disease, if I have this disease, since I have it, I might as well glorify God with it. And so she's going to share Jesus. She's going to share her story. And I tell you what, I was just, this went way beyond anything that I was thinking about. Her response just really humbled me. And I pray that if I was in that situation, that I would have that same kind of attitude. And so the fourth, may the fourth be with Pam on May the 4th. She's having her bone marrow transplant. I know she probably can't be here today. Pam, if you're watching, we love you. We're praying for you and we're pulling for you. So I want to recap this this series that we've had called Sharing. Randy started out this whole thing by saying that we need to share Jesus. And, And he kind of explained, and it's really truthful, we think it's too difficult sometimes. We think we have to be a theologian. We think that we have to know everything. We're scared to death that someone might mock us. We're, we're afraid someone might get mad at us, and we can't come up with the right answer. But, but it's really as simple as using the very same challenge that Jesus gave his disciples, the first followers that dared to, to walk in his footsteps, when he just said, come and see. That's it. Just check it out. Don't take my word for it. Just come and see. It's not, it's not hard. It is not difficult to share Jesus. It's all we have to do. Again, we don't have to have all the answers. We just have to be willing to, answer, to just give that simple challenge. And then the second, the second sermon that Randy preached, he talked about sharing our story. Sharing our story. Because all of us who call ourselves Christians, we have a salvation story. And as simple as it might be, as boring as you might think it is, it's a miraculous story. It's where you were dead in sin. You had no hope. There was only blackness in your, in your, in your future. But when you accepted Christ, something new happened. You're a new birth. We have the hope of eternity through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's powerful. Last week, we got to see James Keogh's story on the video. I've heard that story before. And James came up to me after we had 17 baptisms at Easter, and we were all psyched about it, and he was concerned. He said, this can't be the end. This is just the beginning. He said, it took a lot of people walking alongside me to help me get on my path that leads to Christ. And so there's a common thread in James' story. 
And it's the same thread you're going to find in everybody's salvation story. And if you haven't guessed what that is, it's other people. All of us who tell our story, I've never heard someone who said it just came to me on my own and I just developed on my own will through all of this. It never happens that way. We need other people in our lives. And so we need to share Jesus. We need to share our story. But today I want to talk about the fact that we need to start to learn how to share our lives with other people. That's the culmination of all those challenges. And see, when we start sharing our lives with other people, we start to respond to that high-level challenge that Jesus gave his followers a couple of years into his ministry when he said, now follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. We fish for people by dedicating our lives to doing that. So that's what I want to talk about. I think Paul said it best to the church at Thessalonica when he said, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives because you had come so, to be so dear to us. Paul was saying he shared his life with those people at Thessalonica. You know, when I was in a previous um, business, gosh, it's 10 years ago. That's amazing. I've been in ministry for 10 years. I used to be in the design and construction industry. And I used to manage some pretty big projects uh, in, the, in later years. You know, one project I remember was like $250 million in construction. And so, but you know, I didn't manage money. I didn't manage buildings. I didn't manage processes. I managed people. I managed people. And so when I had first started, when I was young, I, re- I remember when I got hired, I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. And they're going to figure that out in, in no time at all, and they're going to fire me. And so I thought, I've got to learn something, and I've got to learn it fast. And so I felt like I needed a mentor. I needed to find somebody that I knew, knew what they were doing, and I needed to kind of crawl under their wing and watch and learn. And so I picked a mentor, the first mentor. He knew a lot He knew a little about a lot of stuff. Let's put it that way. He seemed like he had the head knowledge. And so I thought, I need to use him as a mentor. So his advice to me right off the bat was don't get personally involved with your clients. Don't get personally involved, especially with the people that you work with. You've got to be the professional. You've got to know more than everybody else. And you can never make a mistake. That was his advice to me. You know, I remember my football coach had a saying. He said, everybody likes to see the big man fall. And man, I saw him live that out every day. I saw him getting his hat handed to him by people. And see, what, what, what I realized, what, what happened, what I, what I realized is without that personal relationship, you're in trouble. You need to understand. So I figured out I need a new mentor. I don't want to live like him. Um, and so what I, what I found out is you need to have a personal relationship with the people that you work with. And so when I was leading other people, I tried to teach them. You need to have a close relationship with the people that you work with. And I had a guy tell me, well, I don't want, I'm not going to be a phony just for business. And I said, well, then don't be. I love meeting new people. I love telling people about my kid and my family. I love hearing about their stories. I've got friends still, years later, I've got friends all across the state, I've got friends in other states. Because what I realized was that when the problems, and you know, 
Malcolm in here, he, he's, he's in the construction industry, he'll tell you, construction is fraught with peril. There's always problems. And so when those problems come about, it is better that on the other side of that desk, there's a friend. There's a friend who's going to offer me grace instead of jumping across the desk and trying to choke me. And so that's a side effect. A side effect of those relationships is that we offer grace to one another. And so relationships are key and critical. See, when he was being the Mr. Professional, the perfectionist, they didn't see him as being perfect because nobody's perfect. Because if you, if, you, if you take his tact, you have to be, and you can't. And so what they saw was they saw this arrogant guy who, who seemed to think he knows everything. And so when those problems came up, came up there was no relationship that, that basically would encourage them to offer any kind of grace. It was always different than that. And so be genuine um, and, and, and building relationships, folks, it's not just good business. It's what God calls us to do. It's what God commands us to do. You know, in our vision statement, we talk about the greatest commandment where Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And then he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the interesting thing that Jesus said at the end of those verses is that he said, everything else, all of the laws, all of the commandments, everything in the Bible depends on this. It depends on loving God and loving people. If you can keep, if somehow, if by some miracle you can keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, if you don't love God, love people, it's all for naught. It depends and rests on loving God and loving people, the two sides of that same coin. You know, I love my wife. I was attracted to her when we first met. Love came when I got to, to know her, when we started living our lives together closer. So it takes an effort to build those relationships. To, to love one another, we have to be willing to share our lives with other people. So whenever I'm trying to help people navigate something like this, it's always good to ask a few questions. You know, the who, what, when, and how is a good thing to do, is to, is to kind of explore that. And so who do we share our lives with? And I think there's two places in the Bible that we can find that. One is the Great Commission. I loved what Randy said. It's not really a great commission. It's an everyday commission. I think when we say it's a great commission, we kind of isolate it to a one-time event. But it's something we're supposed to live out every day. And so it says the very first verses in Matthew 28, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And so see, what, what Jesus is saying is, is that we can't leave anybody out of that. We have to share with everybody who's going to be willing to hear it. Sometimes we call that evangelism. The second place we've already talked about, love your neighbor as you love yourself. See, the Pharisee that Jesus was addressing when he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself, he, he followed up with a question and he said, okay, that's fine, but what do you mean by neighbor? Who do you mean? And so he was, he was kind of saying, well, surely you don't mean this guy over here. Surely you don't mean the sinners and the people that don't believe the things that I believe, but Jesus was saying that a neighbor is the person that's directly around you. It's the person that you're around. It doesn't matter if they don't think like you. It doesn't matter if they don't look like you or act like you. It's everybody. We're supposed to share with people that we can influence. 
I love this term, and if you want to write something down, write this down. We need to share our lives with people in our circles of concern. See, who can we, who can we influence the most but the people that we have access to? And think about it. If everybody did that, we'd have it all covered, right? And so we need to be concerned about the people in our circles of concern. That can be your kids. Those are your first disciples. It can be your spouse, another family member, a friend, a co-worker, and so on. People in your circles of concern. So what do we share when we share our lives with the people in our circles of concern? Just like this guy in Europe is sharing a piece of himself with Pam, we need to share pieces of ourselves with other people. That can manifest itself in, in, in physical ways, in spiritual ways, in emotional ways, but we need to share our lives with other people. Your story about how Christ changed your future is an important thing that you need to share with those people. And you know, when, when you're sharing with the folks in your circles of concern, it's going to cost something. It's going to cost something. It may cost some capital. It may cost some money. Um, you may identify a need in someone's life. And what a perfect way to build a relationship, to build this friendship and trust, is by helping someone uh, with a need that they have. That's a good way. Um, and it's going to take time. We can talk about money. Money is a resource that renews. Time doesn't. You know, I was reading something the other day. We got 24 hours in the day. And, you know, and if you're, if you're a healthy, if you have a healthy sleep habit, you know, knock off eight hours. That's 16 hours left in the day. Most of us work. Knock off another eight or ten. By the time you... you you take care of all the necessities of life, all the things that you have to do, like eating and all that other good stuff. It's just this really tiny bit of time that's left in your day. It's not a finite resource. We just have a little bit of time, and we need to use it wisely. You know, I can look at my watch, and you know, time is not like weight. I can take off weight, and it tends to come back. But when this... And it, it, when this minute clicks off of my watch, it's gone. It's gone for good. And so time is the most valuable resource that we can have. I think it's like what Real, Will Rogers said about real estate. He said it's a good investment because they're not making any more of it. And time is the same way. You know, I, I use that term. I don't know how many people in here know who Will Rogers is. I, I, I use the term Reader's Digest version and back in the green when we were getting ready. And people are like what's Reader's Digest? And so <laughs> I need to come up with some more fresh analogies. So. so when do we share our lives? You know, around a table, maybe. That's a, that's a wonderful uh, time to do. We all have to eat, right? And so what I find, if I'm going to invest time in other people, I work during the day. Most people that, that I, I deal with do the same, but they got to eat breakfast. They got to eat lunch sometimes dinner, and so sometimes I find that, that sharing around the meal works for me. Um, it, it may, you may find something that works better for you. Depending on people's schedule, I like to meet weekly if I can. Sometimes it, it has to be bi-weekly, sometimes monthly maybe. But you know, if you can spend, I did the numbers on this, if you spend an hour a week with somebody, it's equivalent to spending like, um, like a full work week 
in a year. Doesn't sound like a lot of time, but it, it, it's knowing how much time that we have, um, it, it's, it's substantial. Any amount of time that you can spend with someone is substantial. But find a schedule that works for you. But I encourage you, try to meet with the people on a regular basis that you have a, a concern with, that are in your circles of concern. How do you do that? How do you share your lives? I'm finding too, I'm learning this later in life, is that sometimes you have common interests with people. You know, I've got a couple of hobbies. My wife says I've got too many hobbies, but I don't get to spend a whole lot of time. At, I, like to, I, like to, I, like, I like to shoot guns. Yeah, I do. Uh, I like to fly model airplanes. I like to build those. And a lot of those things I thought, you know, in ministry, I've got to set that aside. I can't, you know, do that. But what I'm learning more and more is those are tools that you can use to spend your life with other people. If you have a common interest, you can share that interest. I have a best friend. It seems like our, our interest, if one of us gets interested in something, the other one has to. But it, I really have come to believe that it gives us a chance to spend some time. He lives on another corner of the state. But I realize that because of the things, because of our shared interests, we all, uh, we, we both came to know the Lord about the same time. And we, we share, you know, now we meet, just get to meet a couple of times a year, but we, we share in our faith, we share in our values and all of that. I don't think that's an accident. I think it's because of those common interests that we share. Again, I said identifying a need. Maybe you can share your spiritual habits with people. Maybe you can share with someone how you pray. Maybe you can share how you practice obedience. You can share your strategy about reading the Bible. You can share in the ways that you worship. By doing that, you're going to be building relationships with someone. And I know I, 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 when I was writing this, I was thinking, gosh, I'm not, I don't have all that down. I don't have all that mastered. That's another beautiful thing about spending your life with other people. You grow too. You grow too. It's just as much a benefit for you. You're not just being benevolent to them. You're both growing together. And that's biblical. The Bible says that we're supposed to spur each other along. We're supposed to encourage one another. And if we, but if we're not sharing our lives, that's hard to do. And you know, sometimes it's easy to overlook the obvious. A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to start sharing in the life of a young man. He came... Uh, to a group of men here at the church, and he was seeking, um, for lack of a better term, he was seeking redemption. And so I, I got to, uh, to, to learn how to spend some time to help him navigate his path. And so I had a quick chat this week with my friend Daniel. We did a video. I want to share it with you right now. Well, hey, folks, I've got my good friend Daniel here with me today. I've asked him to come and share a little bit about his story. Um, Daniel, when he was a teenager, uh, just to let you know more about him, he, he made some decisions um, that were uh, some bad decisions, and it kind of separated himself from his ministry that he was involved with here at the church. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, Daniel, a couple of years ago, uh, came to the elders, came to the leadership of the church. And first and foremost, he wanted uh, to ask for forgiveness. And uh, we told him then that that, uh, that was an automatic, that Christ forgives us and, uh, and he commands us to forgive one another. But we also told him that there needed to be a process of restoration. And so we could forgive him, but there had to be a trust that we had to, to rebuild. And that was going to take some time. 
And so we laid out a process for him, and it was a stringent one, but Daniel was very responsive and uh, very teachable. And along the lines, uh, there were some fits and starts uh, to that process, and it was, it was really, uh, it really realized that Daniel needed someone to come alongside him, someone to kind of share in life with him, to hold him accountable and to spur him along. So Daniel, I just wanted you to share with the folks what that process, what that process of living life uh, with, with me. You know, I was your accountability partner. I don't know if you wanted that at the time, but that's the way it worked out. So tell me a little bit about uh, what that meant to you. Yeah, so for me, I just felt alone and unforgivable. Uh, and I really felt alone in the fact that I thought that nobody could relate to where I was. And I felt like what I did was unforgivable and wouldn't be able to come back. But just being able to hear your story and hear your life, um, really realizing that I'm not alone. And while I may still feel unforgivable, I think that we all do at times, um, but through God's grace, uh, He has forgiven me, and that gives me a path to forgive myself as well. Well, you know we're all unforgivable. That's why we, we need Christ. But now during all these these times that we spent together, all these sessions, was that always oh, easy? No, definitely not. It was definitely not always easy. Um, it's parts of my life that I didn't even want to admit to myself, uh, let alone other people, uh, that I think was holding me back a little bit. Um, so just being able to talk about it with you um, really helped out. You know, the Bible says that if we confess our sins to one another, we will be healed. Um, and I really saw that promise come true in my life. That's, that's cool, man. I know from that process, you know, I told you it was about building trust. And so if we fast forward like three years from the beginning of this, you're now, you're greatly involved with CR, with Celebrate Recovery. And you're actually, we consider you the, the ministry leader there. Tell me a little bit about the time that we spent together and how that's prepared you to do the, the same with other folks. Um, at the beginning, I really felt like I just wasn't able to share my story. Uh, just because, I, like I said, I, was al I felt alone and unforgivable. Um, but just like in CR, uh, we say uh, that we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Um, and so because of that, we can relate to each other. Um, but just being able to have you share your story with me and begin for me to share my story with you began to become a little bit more comfortable um, and realizing that I am forgiven. Um, and just being able to share that with other people, I realize I can give them hope just like it gave me. Well, Daniel, I've been really happy. I'm really humbled and I'm, I'm proud about where you've been and where you've come from. And I know that probably there was a point in your life where you felt like ministry wasn't going to be an option. And uh, I'm really just, just amazed at what God has done in your life. And I really look forward to see how he's going to continue to do that. Thanks a bunch for sharing with us. Man, I love you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you, brother. Journey Church, we like to say that we have redemption and restoration as a part of our DNA. And so Daniel's just another testimony of that. And so Daniel's responsiveness, his humility amazes me. You know, part of the process that we laid out, we laid out like a two-year process for him. And part of it was we wanted him to participate and celebrate recovery. And he did. And he was, uh, he was just faithful to that. And he started helping. Uh, and I was the ministry leader. And, and he kind of came under my wing. And we met on a weekly basis. And we, we talked. And, and now Daniel is the ministry leader for Celebrate Recovery. And so, 
Now, I'll, be, I'll admit, you know, in the, in the, in the first part of this, I, as someone told me, says, you were probably his biggest critic, and now you're his, biggest, you're his best uh, proponent. And so I think that's probably true. Uh, but, but Daniel has been faithful in his walk. And uh, I'm amazed at what God does. I mean, it just never ceases to, to amaze me. All those wonderful things I was saying about CR, most of that has happened under Daniel's leadership. And, but, and he's gonna, he will be the first one to say, it's not me, it's God. He's going to put credit where it's due. And Daniel, Daniel is God's vessel, just like all those other wonderful volunteers. I don't want to slight them at all because there's so many people that are so dedicated to the program. They're just vessels that allow God to act through them. And so just some minor results. And again, I told you, that was, that was unexpected of me. I didn't seek uh, to, to be uh, someone. I didn't seek to spend all that time with Daniel, but it's something that happened. It's something that naturally came about. It can happen the same way uh, with you. And so I want to close. Well, first of all, I want to say this. What I did with Daniel, we had a program for restoration, but it, it, what happened with Daniel wasn't the result of a program or a Sunday school class. It was the result of not just me, but other people investing time and investing in his life. And so that's what, I want to talk, that's what I'm talking about today. It takes folks that are willing to sacrifice a part of themselves to help folks get back on their path. We all have those, those, those hurt, there's hurts and hangups and habits. We've all got them. And sometimes they're pronounced enough that they stall us but it's other people that can help us rejoin that path that leads us closer to Christ. So this sermon series has been about sharing. It's been about sharing, and, and that seems like a daunting task for most people. I can't really totally understand why, but it does. And I know sometimes there's, that we feel like there's a lot of pressure to perform. There's a lot of pressure to pull people across the goal line. But the, but the most important part of the thing that you have to remember, you just have to remember three things. We just need to share Jesus. We need to be willing to share our story and to share our lives with other people. Making friends, that's the place to start. Building relationships. It's really simple. It's really, it's really not any harder than that. Just make those friends. Make those friends, build those relationships. And so I'll leave you with this question. Who are my three? Who are the people in my circle of concern? There's three people. Think about three people. You can start to pray about that right now. And if all of us, if we did that, can you imagine how the kingdom would explode if we would invest our lives in other people? I'm going to pray, as I always do to finish. Um, if you want to talk about starting your journey, if you want to talk about Jesus and you haven't accepted him uh, as your Lord and Savior, I'd love to talk to you today. I'd love for you to come up. I'm going to be standing up here. I think Zach's up here. We'll have him come up. Uh, maybe Georgia, someone can come up as well. If you want someone to pray for you, we'd be glad to do that. But you know, you don't need us as an intermediary. Uh, we're, we'd love to do it. I'm anxious to do it. But there's also space up here for you to come and just deal with God. Maybe you can come up and use one of these altars uh, just to pray about who are these people in my life, who are these people that I am concerned about, that I can maybe start to learn how to share my life with them. So let me pray, and then I want to invite you guys to come up during this last song. God, we thank you for today. 
we thank you for uh, these, these samples, these examples of lives affected by the intervention of other folks. God, when it all boils down to it, that's your plan for us. Your plan is for us to love one another, to love them into the kingdom. And God, I pray that we would have the courage and the conviction to do that, that we're not going to be content with just closing the doors and being in this building on our own, that we're going to seek to go beyond these walls and just respond to your command and your commission. God, I pray a special blessing on each and every one that's here today, and it's in your Son's name that I offer my prayers. Amen.